In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all, dear listeners, and welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Breakfast Show. It is Wednesday the 19th of July. You are joined here in the studio, uh, the Voice of Salaam studio in the House of Victory, the largest mosque in Europe. Um, we do hope you're having a good morning today and... Um, but you know the weather uh, here, especially in London, is looking a bit dreary. Mm. It's looking a bit rather, you know, gloomish. But uh, hopefully, you know, the weather picks up later on, and then you know our moods brighten up as well. <laughs> uh, we do have, um, you know, uh, you're joined here by my you, uh, the usual presenters, uh, the Wednesday morning presenters, mm. myself, Muhammad Attar, and uh, brother Shajil Ahmed. Um, Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. How are you doing this morning, brother? Yes, yeah, alaikum wa Peace be upon you and uh, peace be upon all of our listeners as well. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Um, just like you said, you know, the weather does have mm. an effect, does have an effect on you as well. And I mean, we'll talk about, we'll talk about what's happening in the news a little bit later on as well. But, you know, if you look at, if you look at what, you know, the, the weather in Europe, yeah, you know, in Spain, especially southern Spain and Italy, Greece, they are literally over 40 degrees. Hmm. Um, uh, even, you know, even other countries uh, in Europe, they are, you know, above 30, 35 hmm. and, you know, really, really hot um, c- countries right now to go to if yeah. anyone wants to one wants to go there, hmm. um, uh, you know, as a holiday. But over here in the UK, 16 degrees today, 16, 17 degrees. I don't know what's happening. This is yeah, supposed to be like a peak yeah. summer, but, you know... Um, Apparently yeah. in August the weather's gonna get like around four forty. Yeah, I mean, apparently. So I don't we can I hope for the best, yeah. but you know, hope, yeah, that's the thing. We yeah. we, we don't in our really country we can only hope. Right? <laughs> we can only hope what the weather will so, bring, uh, isn't it? Mm, it's so unpredictable, but it's at so the same time, you can always predict there's gonna be rain. You can always predict, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is for certain. Yeah, that is for certain. Um, yeah, I mean that's one thing that we're good at, isn't it? Complaining mm. about the weather <laughs> in <laughs> of course, the UK, of course. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully it does uh, it does get better as well. But you know, I'm just looking at the forecast as well, you know. Mm. And literally, um, you know, it's uh, you know the next couple of days. So f- you know, from the weekend onto the, the next couple of days after the weekend, mm. it's literally just rain, rain, rain. Um, but obviously, that's just predictions, isn't it? Obviously, it can yeah. change as well, and. You know, especially here in the UK, whatever the weather predictions are or what the forecast is saying, hmm. even on the same day, it's not always uh, the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it can change. It can change yeah. as well. Um, we will be, you know, discussing yeah. uh, the news and the weather in further detail in 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 a in a while. We do have an interesting lineup of topics for you guys this morning. We'll be mm. discussing three different topics. Promising decline, UK's crime rates plummet as world embraces safer society. The first segment, the University of Kindness, small acts of kindness found across cultures, revealing human nature. Mm. We'll be discussing that in our second segment. And for our last segment, we'll be discussing unleashing nature's potential. Portugal and Spain embrace renewable energy for a greener society. So we'll be taking a very short break uh, and then we'll be, you know, speaking about the news and the weather. Don't go anywhere and uh, please do join us after the very short break and then we will carry on from there. The Holy Prophet foretold of a prophet, one which would be the second coming of Jesus Christ, a Mahdi, a reformer, who would revive Islam 
and lead it forward into a new era of success. The Holy Prophet requested his companions to convey his salam to this reformer of the new age. He said, when you hear the advent of the Mahdi, then enter into his fold, even if you have to walk on snow by crawling and creeping to reach him. The role and sole purpose of this subordinate prophet was made clear. He would revive Islam, unite all its sects, and establish a Khilafat which would strengthen Islam and lead it forward into a new age. I give you the glad tidings of Mahdi, who will be raised in my Ummah at a time of digression and distress of people. He will fill the earth with equity and justice as it is filled with oppression and violence. But how could this promised man recognize that he was the one? It could only be through a revelation from God. And this revelation was received by the noble and humble Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad in 1891 in the small town of Qadian to the east of Damascus. It is now the duty of every Muslim to come forward and accomplish the appeal of the Holy Prophet to join in to the fold of this Prophet, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad the Reformer, the Mahdi, the Promised Messiah. I call to witness God Almighty who holds my life in His hand that compared to every other soul, He has gifted me with overwhelmingly greater ability and access to the understanding and the deeper wisdom of the Holy Quran. If any of the Maulvis who oppose me in response to my repeated invitations had attempted to outshine me in the exposition of the Holy Quran, God would have most certainly frustrated his attempts and exposed his ignorance. Hence, the understanding of the Quran which has been granted me is a sign of Allah, the Glorious, and I have full trust in Allah's grace that soon the world will begin to see that I am true in this claim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. Uh, we'll now be, you know, discussing the news uh, briefly before moving on to our main segments of the morning. Mm. So, um, in in terms of the news, um, there's um, one of the docks. They've reje- rejected cruise ships intended to house a thousand asylum seekers. Sites in Liverpool, London and Edinburgh turned down government approaches, but officials insist vessels are still an option. Two cruise, re- uh, cruise ships uh, to house 1,000 migrants have uh, returned to their company after the government struggled to find ports at which to berth them. So, you know, they were going to... Um, <coughs> they were going to house... House asylum seekers uh, mm. on cruise ships, but you know there's do- people at the docks there protesting against this. Yeah. Uh, so dock um, of- officials insisted the ships were still an option, and talks were ongoing for sites to help reduce the six million pound a day cost of housing migrants in hotels. But you know that's you know it's yeah. uh, it's so controversial, mm. and uh, you know if you if you just think about it. You know, putting asylum seekers, um, uh, or you know, on on literally a boat, on a, on kind a f- of like uh, putting them in a in, in jail, kind of right. I mean, that it has <coughs> been it has been described as prison. <coughs> it has been described floating as prison. Pri- floating prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's on the boat, isn't it? So, it, 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 I mean, the way I mean the way mm. <laughs> they, they went about to do this, or even planning to do this, <coughs> it's uh, it's it's. Is, is how can you treat human beings like that? Yeah. Right? And, 
you know, is there is there no space on the land to <laughs> literally to literally house them? That's the thing, isn't it? That's mm. the thing. In the whole of the UK, is there no place the where they can put them? Yeah. And then they have to just say no. It's overcrowded. They mm. have to put them on the on the ship on the on the docks and uh, prison like like areas. And mm. I've seen some pictures as well. It, it literally does not look. It does not look nice. It literally yeah. looks like you know from from a, from, from a movie. Mm. And then there's the you know there's literally a prison in a, in a, on a dock. On the <laughs> floating on the floating on the yeah. on the river, uh, on the sea. The thing is, you know, um, we can uh, take some inspiration from our annual gathering, which is going to be held uh, not this weekend but the weekend after. Hmm. Um, it will be a three-day uh, convention: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, God willing, you know, uh, and we will have around like fifty thousand attendees. It will be in the area of um, uh, Alton, near yes. Alton. Uh, so that's like you know you go f- a bit further up from Guildford, and then that's that's where it is in Hampshire, and uh, you know uh, all around um, forty to fifty thousand uh, MD Muslims will gather from you know different countries as well, and uh, there's various different events held, various different stalls. You know um, uh, the main things are you know speeches in yeah. regards to religion, in regards to Islam, and you know strengthening your faith. Uh, lots of different events held there. Um, yeah. So uh, this way that works is that you know we're out in an open field, and we set up you know various different huge marquees and tents, mm. and you know uh, people stay over there as yeah. well in yeah. those marquees. I, I I think it's a good option to you know set up a hu- and it doesn't take that long. Uh, it's not too costly. I don't think. Uh, yeah, to maintain I mean, as well even you yeah. know the weather is bad it rains very windy mm. M- many of uh, in the pe- previous years as well you know it's rained quite a lot but it doesn't affect the marquee in any way yeah. and it can be used as temporary accommodation mm. until you know uh, the government has thought of a better plan to where they can house them and you know I have another suggestion for that as well those you know there's a few ver- there's many abandoned buildings mm. which you could say they're a little bit run down but you know they just need a bit of like maintenance work some TLC yeah. you know some love and care if the government you know put put those that money I mean, the government that. has uh, you know can spend millions yeah. upon millions exactly if they're spending well. five, five yeah. million a day and they're trying to you know find better cheaper alternatives hmm. instead of you know putting them on uh, floating prisons as uh, you yeah. know, people are commenting there's 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 the other options there's there are other, other options and that is a good they can explore yeah i think that is a good option which yeah. you said as well because if anyone has seen the annual convention as well it's literally mm. a whole you know, it's the whole village. It's literally being, a village. Fifty thousand, forty to fifty thousand people. P- people come there. Yeah. Exactly. Obviously, they're gonna. They're not just coming there for a mm. few. For you know, for a few hours. Yeah. They're coming there for the whole day. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people. You know, a lot of people sleep there, there as, well. as well. You could yeah. say, like, in in the, in in the thousands. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. People sleep there. People sleep in the tents. People sleep in the marquees. Mm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's uh, facilities available, such as mm. you know, to- you know, toilets, toilets and showers, and everything, there, water yeah. is available. So it's not it's not as if you know they're just living there out in the out in the open mm. green area yeah. and that's you know in the in the wild. It's not mm. like that. It, it is still it is still protected as well. Yeah. Um. So you know th- there are different things which the government can mm. actually actually do as well. Um, to protect these people, but mm. you know they now they said that these to come via the channel, 
right? Mm. Illegally, mm. or they, or they sort of they've made it illegal. They've criminalized it. Yeah, they said that you can't come. Uh, if anyone wants to claim asylum, mm. they can't come by these small boats. Mm. They have to come in by a proper yeah. channel as well. Yeah. You know, th- through the airport mm. or you know, uh, a, a proper way, a mm. proper way, not you know, taking out the small boats. But one one thing which is quite interesting as well is that anyone who's sort of risking their lives, mm. their families' lives, and they're coming together, yeah, uh, they, they they they've left everything, they've left their home, they've mm. left everything behind, yeah, and they're coming to a country uh, from a dangerous route. Because obviously they know that if they come, you know, through the ferry, through the Euro tunnel, hmm. through the, you know, by air, it's going to be next to impossible for them to come because they don't have papers, they don't yeah. have a passport, or they yeah. don't have a, you know, a valid ticket, or whatever the other reason is. They maybe maybe they do have a passport, but they don't have a visa, yeah. or they come from such a country which is. You know, which you know, which the passport, the 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 status of the passport is not that strong. Yeah. So there there can be various reasons why they won't be allowed to be, why they won't be allowed to enter the UK, right? Yeah. But they're leaving all of that, and they're coming through difficult means, via difficult means, crossing crossing the channel, and then coming into the U, coming into the UK mainland, um, you know, UK. Yeah. And then, f- just for them to be, just for them, just for the government to turn around and say, that's illegal. Yeah, we're going to criminalize you. We're going to put you into prison, or you know, you'll be put in. You you'll be, you'll be put on trial. Hmm. We'll assess, you know, whether you know the way that you came was was uh, you know, you know, if we're going to actually say that okay, yeah. that's fine. You can you can come. You can claim asylum or. No, you either go back to your country, or you get you get put into prison. Yeah, and I think the government does need to look into this a little bit, with, you know, with you know, with 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 detail, with scrutiny as well, because anyone who's coming into a country through difficult means and leaving everything you know behind, yeah, it's definitely for a reason. Hmm. It's definitely because you know they 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 want to leave their country because it's war torn. They want to leave the country because you know there's poverty there, maybe because there's a um, there's a there's an epidemic which has been which is which is flaring over there, maybe hmm. there's you know diseases that they want to get away from, yeah. and there's you know different crises that maybe they they've gone maybe they've experienced um, you know various different things in their own country. Hmm. That's why they're leaving that to to come to to you know to claim asylum in the, in a different country. Yeah, so. For just to say, like, like, put a blanket ban on 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 these on these mm. boats. I think that's a little bit harsh. That's my personal opinion as well. But you know, if you know, because you can't treat everyone the same, isn't it? Mm. Obviously, some people are just going to try and come in, and uh, you know, maybe they were fine in their country. They just want to come and live in the UK. Yeah. Um, which fine. That's that's a different thing. But you know, if they if they if if people are coming in. Mm. Because they want to leave a war-torn country, um, you know, or very or various other reasons which are quite serious, hmm. then I think the government needs to consider 
um, this as well and reconsider this definitely. Um, this bill that they that they've passed. Definitely. So uh, this Sunday, a week of uh, tube strikes are you know uh, going to start, uh, where you know there'll be little to no service on some of the days from Sunday twenty third July up to Saturday twenty ninth July. Um, mm. You know a lot of uh, the days. Uh, for example, on the twenty sixth. Um, Wednesday the 26th No services expected across the London Underground That's what it states and No then, services? Yeah, no service At all? It's expected across the London Underground Yeah So when, when is that? Stop. Uh, on Wednesday the 26th July oh, Wednesday Yeah, but it starts on Sunday it Services on Sunday. will close early And customers are advised to complete their journeys by 7pm Yeah Thursdays is little or no service uh, Friday, no service mm. Apart from like the night Including the night tube Right so yeah, it's uh, you know it's not it's looking a bit bleak uh, next week, for in terms of uh, that. So you know we hope that you know the government can mm. sort this this out as well. Yeah, I mean because you know the yeah. especially because <coughs> you know this is the last week uh, for school as well. Mm. Kids are gonna finish their school. It's gonna be summer holidays, and obviously they're gonna want to go out and about as well yeah. uh, with their friends and families, mm. and. Uh, if they want to get into central London or go to various other places, I mean, uh, the, the they can't. People coming to the annual convention, they'll I think they'll struggle as well. Yeah. To because they, a lot of them rely on the transport as well. Yeah. Uh, Line public you know, transport. Uh, yeah. Hopefully something something. Uh, they yeah, can I mean, hopefully out. something happens though, because there, there there are coaches which are going yeah. as well, yeah. but obviously, you know, a coach would be a bit a little bit easier as well because. Mm. It will take you straight to the site. Yeah. If you want to go via train, mm. right, then it's, it's, that's going to go to the station. But a lot of the times, like, the coaches are, you know, they're, like, overbooked or fully yeah. packed. Yeah. And they have to. And this time, it's going to be bigger. A lot yeah. bigger than, yeah, than, yeah, yeah. than last year. Yeah, so that's true. That's it's going to be fully fledged. And fully fledged. All the restrictions are going to be yeah. taken down. Yeah. And it's going to be a full-fledged, proper international mm. uh, convention as well, isn't yeah. it? Um. In uh, in some other news as well, ca- councils hmm. across uh, England and Wales have urged the government to ban single-use vapes by 2024 on environmental and health grounds as well. The, the, the local government association, which is the LGA, said that the sale and manufacture of single-use e-cigarettes hmm. should be stopped next year in line with other European countries. France is actually expected to be one of the earliest nations to ban single-use vapes yeah. as they aim to, you know, uh, as they aim for their removal by the end of 2023. That's this year. So the European Union is expected to follow mm. the lead and ban them completely by 2026. Mm. Uh, but the UK is trying to do that um, by by 2024. Mm. Um, the organisation described disposable vapes as a hazard for wasting collectors and uh, said that they are almost impossible to recycle without going through special treatment. Hmm. And they also pointed out that the vapes were being used by younger children yeah. who were who were attracted through the you know the, the bright colours hmm. and designs as well. And the and the amount of smoke that comes out as well. Hmm. Obviously, people think that you know it looks uh, looks pretty cool. Hmm. Um, but uh, they they also said the LGA also said that disposable vapes are fundamentally flawed. Mm. Uh, in the design and inherently, um, uh, you know, difficult products to actually use. Yeah, meaning uh, you know, an an outright ban mm. will will prove more effective than attempts to recycle more vapes as well. Yeah, 
uh, single-use vapes bright our streets as litter, um, blight our streets as litter, hmm. uh, are, are a hazard in our bin lorries, are expensive and difficult to deal with in our recycling centres. And their colours, flavours um, are appealing to children and the penalties for for retailers retailers selling them don't go far enough. So councillors urge the ban to take these actions to protect our planet, mm. keep children safe and save uh, taxpayers money as well. So that's um that's what you know the government is trying to trying trying to do as well. Um and that's the thing. P- people are also saying experts are also saying that a lot of young Ch- uh, children, adolescences, yeah. young adults as well. They are, you know, they, instead of instead of smoking, fine. They, they may be staying away from smoking, but instead they are vaping. And fine, vaping hmm. can be. Um, no, you the know, thing is, you know, vaping less is, than smoking, is, but yeah, it's still it's, it's still it's very it's still very new. It's mm-hmm. only like twenty thirty years old. Max, Whereas, yeah, Max, yeah, smoking is you know it's like. Hundreds of years, hundreds old, of years, right? Old. Yeah, and we didn't know about the that smoking causes can lead to cancer and has various other you know down downsides yeah. until much later on. Yeah, that's true. So vaping true. is still new, and there's a lot of problems that are coming through, yeah. and we won't know until a few, like you know, a decades, decades. That, down yeah, the literally. line. Yeah, literally. Like there's a lot of like lung problems, breathing problems that people are getting from vaping, which is much worse than uh, you mm. know from smoking. Yeah, and people think that you know. Oh, they they're not actually smoking the yeah. cigarette, so yeah. so they were just alternatively they will they will they will do vaping. Yeah, but at the moment, fine. It might seem as if it's not as hmm. damaging to the body, to the lungs. Yeah, uh, as 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 you know, our smoking cigarettes, mm. but still, it's still it's still effective. Yeah, and it's still damaging to the body as well. Definitely, it might be on a low lower scale, hmm. but it's still you know, and it's addictive as well, hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you know, but and it's harmful for the environment mm. also. Cigarettes, you can, I mean, obviously, you, that is also mm. of, of course harmful for the environment. But e-cigarettes because you know the outer layer is obviously plastic, and uh, you know inside yeah. the flavors, the the colors, and all of that. What they have to you know dispose is you know it is um, it is harmful for the environment as well, mm. because obviously once you smoke one. Um, if it's not a refillable one, mm. then you have to buy another one. You have to throw that yeah. away and you have to buy another one. And yeah. it's literally, you know, it's it's polluting. It's polluting. Mm. It's polluting the 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 planet. Um, so that's uh, what the government is trying to do. France, as I said, they're trying to ban yeah. that from this year. Um, we're trying to do that, ban it from next year. And the European Union is trying to do that from twenty. 26 hmm. but uh, you know let's see let's see you know if the bill actually gets p- passed out yeah. uh, passed out or not yeah in uh, some other news as well um, UN Rights Council approves a resolution on religious hatred after the Quran burning uh, mm. as well so a deeply divided UN Human Rights Council has approved a controversial Resolution. This is from the Guardian, by the way, yeah. that urges countries to address, prevent, and prosecute acts and advocacy of religious hatred after instances of the Quran burning in Sweden. Now, the resolution was strongly opposed by the U.S., EU, and other Western countries, which urged that it conflicted with laws on free speech. Um, last week, 
Wednesday, the resolution was passed with the 28 countries voting in favour, 12 voting against and 7 abstaining as well. So last month, an Iraqi-born protester caused um, outrage across the Muslim world after tearing pages from the, from the, from the Holy Quran, hmm. wiping his shoes with uh, some of them as well, and burning the, other, the outside. He did that outside a mosque in Stockholm hmm. during, the, during the Eid al-Adha holiday as well. Um, and <coughs> you know it, this, that I mean it's the whole topic about freedom of speech freedom mm. of expression comes into play as well it's it, it's not I mean, you can't say that everybody or anyone has yeah. absolute freedom of speech yeah. you can't say like that you can't, spe- that. Spe- you can't up say against uh, Jehovah Witnesses right yeah you, you can't. can't otherwise it will be deemed as um, uh, and uh, you, you'd be anti-semitic Right, and th- I mean, this uh, yeah. is literally law. Yeah, you can't you can't talk against uh, Jews. Yeah, you can't talk against um, you know anyone's religious leader. Yeah, you can't talk against anyone's you know if you say anything no, to I mean, anyone's like, parents. There's, an- there's anti-Semitic laws in place. Yeah, literally, the, yeah, you can get arrested. Yeah, for yeah, this. yeah, literally. Yeah, so, you can. Yeah, but when it comes to Islam, hmm. then no one you know no one bats an eye. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Whereas you know, it's it's literally like, is is it the largest largest religion now? Oh, it, almost right. In, in, yeah. In, like, almost. It's like the large. You could the second largest religion Se- in the world I right mean, now. Yeah, it's the second largest, definitely, yeah. definitely after Christianity. Second. Yeah. And but a lot of Christians also. Yeah. yeah. If if the Muslims were to stand up. I mean, you know, yeah. they could be serious, but you know, that's not the teaching of that's Islam. The, that's the thing. That's, yeah. that's that's not what the teaching is. But uh, so you know, the your rights end as soon as you start to cross the territory of someone else's rights. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So you need to respect their rights, and then you know, everyone will uphold your rights as well. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Everyone is so. Uh, people are so. You know, fixated on the fact yeah. that you know my rights, my, rights, my right, my I can rights. do this. Yeah. I can do this. What about the other person? What about right? the other? Literally, what exactly. about the other person's rights? Now, if we if we focus on other people's rights and try to fulfill their rights, mm. your rights will automatically exactly. be fulfilled as exactly. well. Exactly, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um. You know, you know, no one, no, no one will, no one would like to mm. um, hear abuse about their own parents, right? Yeah. No one would like to hear abuse about their own family members or their friends. Obviously, if someone says something. To, to you obviously mm. you will get offended and if you do that for you know a long time um, a long period of time obviously there's, there is going to time where that person is going to you know break out and he's going to yeah. he's going to may- maybe lash out as well hmm. obviously because you've provoked him exactly so you can't expect I mean yes it's, it's not the teachings of Islam to take mm. the law upon your own hands mm. obviously not but people are human beings as well Exactly. If you are going to play with their sentiments, then mm. obviously you you are going to get some backlash as well. Mm. And for them, for them, those people who then retaliate and mm. say something uh, back, you know, if they get reprimanded and the per- the, the person who actually instigated this, mm. nothing happens to that person, then you know that's that's a bit unfair as well. That's a bit. But obviously, we're not saying we're not saying we, or I'm not siding with the people who who take the law upon their own hands and they you know beat up those people who do say anything against Islam I mean obviously that's not the teachings and our teachings are always to be you know to hmm. to, to, to to have patience yeah. patience and prayer that is what the Holy Quran hmm. teaches as well 
Um, but obviously, there will come a time where these people will understand, yeah. and uh, you know, you know, they will understand what the what the actual and mm. true teachings of Islam are. And you know, good people, good-hearted people, mm. even if they were against Islam, um, they will, you know, they accept Islam and they mm. accept the teachings as well if they have a good heart. But obviously, the only, only, uh, only God Almighty can can you know turn their hearts as well. Mm. Um, Becoming we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be taking a very short break and then, uh, you know, we'll be delving into our first segment on the morning. Please don't go anywhere and do join us after the very short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show. As uh, as said before the break as well, that uh, in this part of the show we're talking about how there is a promising decline um, in, in UK's crime rates. Um, and uh, as you know, the world is actually embracing a safer society, um, th- so th- there's there's articles which uh, which are suggesting that th- the world is actually getting safer, evidenced by the uh, evidences by the decrease in total crime, including theft, burglary, criminal damage, robberies, knife crime. And murders, uh, and this is according to data from the World Bank and the UK's Office for National Statistics, mm. with homicide <clears throat> rates falling globally, uh, except in the US and Latin America. Um, so this is what the studies have actually, studies and statistics have actually led to, to the finding that although um, portrayed otherwise by the media, mm. the world is actually approaching, approaching an increased uh, level of uh, level of safety. Yeah. So that is quite that is promising. Promising. It was found that crime rates in the UK was down by twelve percent in comparison to the year before. The year before the the global pandemic, now, offenses like criminal damage and domestic burglaries fell by a quarter, and th- and theft fell by a fifth of the original statistics. So it may seem as if um, crime is still there, or maybe it, it's it's a bit higher, but. If you look at the statistics, hmm. if you look at what studies have actually found, it's uh, they've, they they do suggest or the, the the numbers they are suggesting that it has gone down. Yeah. Now, some other statistics for you as well that crime incidents recorded by the police also revealed a significant drop in robberies. Now that's that was a drop of twenty percent. Hmm. Knife crime was uh, was you know lower to nine percent. A number of murders. Also fell by eleven percent in England and also and Wales. However, the number of police recorded sexual offences rose by nineteen percent. Hmm. So that was a bit interesting as well. That sex sexual offences they rose by nineteen percent. Yeah. The ONS was actually quick to point out that police record police recorded crime uh, does not tell the full story. Um, obviously, you know some things can get hidden away as well, brushed under the carpet. It's also found that. The murder rates has actually dropped in England and Wales. However, this drop 
it's not limited to just the UK and Wales. Rather, the murder rate has actually dropped globally, uh, except which, you know, which I mentioned in uh, in in the US, in the in the United States and also Latin America as well. United States is a different thing because it's a different story because the it's it's embarrassing as sometimes as well because there's so many uh you know there's so much knife crime gun crime which happens over there and uh you know murder rate is quite you know to drop the murder rate in America you would actually you would have to get rid of the guns you would just have to yeah but that is something that they don't want to do developed countries like Japan Slovenia and Ireland has the lowest murder rates whereas countries like Mexico Costa Rica uh, and Colombia rank the highest in uh, in uh, in crime hmm. so that's uh, you know that's what the articles uh, are actually, actually the studies and also statistics are actually suggesting yeah um, we were talking about what Islam says hmm. um, before as well that you know when you know if, if, if people are saying or trying to provoke uh, people uh, or instigate yeah. uh, crime or tr- trying to say abuse people <coughs> and tr- trying to get them to um, frustrate them hmm. and trying to you know get their emotions out as well Islam does teach uh, to be patient yeah. Islam teaches to be uh, to be tolerant hmm. Islam teaches that we should spread the peace hmm. and this is what Islam is all about Definitely. it provides guidelines on uh, on 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 how to actually stop crime happening as well. For example, all acts are judged by their motives and intentions. Hmm. That's the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Now, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, who is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, stated that in the Quran, the directives um, about civil, criminal, and revenue matters fall into two categories. One category of those directives is aimed at, at uh, detailing punishment for specific crimes. Uh, the second category is of directives which lay down uh, procedure, uh, procedures to be followed in time of court trial for their offences so that the offence and punishment fit each other in the best possible manner. In such directives, rigid punishment is not mentioned for a specific offence. The Holy Quran lays down guiding rules according to which um, which later interpreters or you know interpreters of law hmm. are to carry out the administration of law you know whenever the new situation arises. For that the Holy Quran provides a, a guiding principle and a, uh, it says in the Holy Quran in chapter 42 verse 41 and the recompense of an injury is an injury the like thereof. So, you, you know, according to the situation, according to the person's, um, you know, characteristics, according mm. to the the person, how, how the person actually is, the way that the person committed the crime, uh, the Holy Quran says that, you know, there will be a, you know, that person has to undo or undergo, undergo punishment according to that specific crime as well. Hmm. Now, two people can be committing the same crime, but because of the background of one person, because of the background of the other person, the 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 the, the, the punishment can vary uh, in circumstances as well. 
um, there can be you know there can be forgiveness as well because Islam teaches us to forgive. Yeah, and you know th- these are the teachings of Islam as well. Mm. Islam teaches that we should be um, we should try our best, you know, to to actually to to forgive to to forgive other people as well. But obviously. To always forgive, such as you know what other religions teach, to always forgive, hmm. that can also be harmful at times as well. Sometimes yeah. you need to punishment. Sometimes you need punishment yeah. to better um, those criminals as well, hmm. and to to make sure that they understand what they did was wrong, and to you know put them into that procedure where they can actually look at their own faults and uh, not go back and uh, do that, hmm. do any sort of atrocities like they committed in the future. That is what Islam teaches. Islam yeah. doesn't just say, you know, you have to, you have to, have to, have to mm. give punishment, you know, an eye for an eye. Mm. Yes, that option is there, mm. but it doesn't say that you that is the only option or, or that is the that is the first option. Mm. Nor does Islam say that, you know, punishment that turn, uh, turn the other cheek. Turn right? the, yeah, turn the yeah, other cheek. It teaches Islam, the middle yeah. path. It teaches the middle path. It's, 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 it states that you know you will get punished for. Uh, whatever you have done their like of right exactly it, it, yeah which is like in comparison to what you did the punishment will be the same yeah or if you forgive the other person then your reward is with Allah the Almighty mm. that's what the uh, true teaching of Islam mm. is in regards to this but if you Islam also says that if you do forgive mm. and that forgiveness for that person is mm. is good for that person is better for that person and not just for that person, but for the whole society. Hmm. Then obviously, yeah. Then, then, then the person's reward is with God. Of course. But if because you know that person committed a heinous crime hmm. and has been committing committing heinous crimes in the past as well, and all you do is just forgive that person and say, you know, just let's just forgive this person and let's not punish this person at all. No fine, no penalty, no nothing. Hmm. Right? That person's gonna get brave and he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna. He's not going to realize what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. So you can't always forgive as well. And this is exactly what you said that Islam teaches the middle ground. Yeah. It gives both options. So whatever option is best at that time, you avail that option as well. Yeah. Um. So so this is this this is the you know this is the beautiful teachings of Islam as well. Uh, Hazrat Aisha, the mother of believers, peace be upon her, narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and Allah, blessings of Allah be upon him, said, try as far as possible to save a Muslim from punishment. If there can be a way to save him, consider settling the matter. For the Imam to make a mistake in forgiving and acquitting is better to make than making a mistake in giving punishment. Mm. We do have a brief audio clip that we will be ending on and then we will take the news break. So let's listen to that one briefly. Eradication and tackling of crime. Lately, it's been a hot topic in the media and the issue seems to be right at the top of every political agenda. Many people and politicians say that the answer is more legislation, more policing and surveillance. And this will indeed improve the situation. But the evidence proves that nothing works. What is the Islamic solution to tackling crime and antisocial behavior? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, this is relevant to all of us in every society, no matter where we live. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking around us now in this day and age, and we must be seeing the rise of delinquency, hooliganism, you know, crime, and, and the inability of our governments to, to check the tide of this behavior or even when we have implements, uh, you know, systems in place, the jail system, the reform systems, 
the same individual comes out of those systems and repeats the crime that supposedly he paid the time for and did something to perhaps rectify his thinking that this is not going to be accepted in society. So that is not enough. Merely taking uh, the, the animals and putting them in the, in the cages in the zoo and, and throwing the keys away and saying, now we have achieved our goal because they're all locked up and the keys are away and we can feel free and safe. I don't think this is the goal of society. It always has been the goal of religions to uplift mankind. And, and this is something also getting to the issue of crime and punishment in Islam. Indeed. You hear, you know, this is a, a separate question perhaps, but you hear this, this constant talk of why do you have the punishments in, in Islam that talk about the cutting of the hands or the capital punishment for, for certain But these crimes. are quite extremes, aren't they? These, they're, they're, these, they're in the these are extremes, but even in these extremes, mm -hmm. before that, your goal is to reform individuals and societies by a body of moral laws, a spiritual consciousness. And if that doesn't exist, uh, you know, there's no law that will stop me from pulling the trigger if I don't fear. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A'uzu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to the breakfast show. Uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all dear listeners Welcome back to The Breakfast Show We will now be moving on to our next segment of the morning Where we will be discussing <coughs> uh, in, in regards to renewable energy The the t uh, segment is titled um, Unleashing Nature's Potential Portugal and Spain Embrace Renewable Energy for a Greener Society so <clears throat> the the Iberian Pen Peninsula emerges as a green energy powerhouse with Portugal breaking records in renewable energy generation and Spain on track to achieve over 50% electricity from renewables, while Germany shows progress as well, reflecting the growing global shift towards sustainable energy. <clears throat> Portugal beats a nine-year record when... Um, in March, when in March 2023, it generated 103% of its monthly energy consumption within, uh, within, with the renewable sources. This was according to the country's transmission system operator, REN. The country believes its electricity needs will be satisfied by 2040 only through the energies of nature. The most important aspect... The most important aspect of uh, any energy transition is honesty. And even though Portugal generated more renewable electricity than it consumed, uh, that electricity wasn't always used to power that consumption. Fossil fuels were still being used in various places at various times. Ariane also acknowledged that the forces, <clears throat> that the forces of nature uh, are unpredictable. And even though uh, March generated 103% of total energy consumption, the same month last year generated 6% because of the drought. 
Spain, uh, meanwhile, is on track to becoming the first of Europe's five uh, big five econ- economies to um, to generate uh, to generate um, more than fifty percent of its electricity from renewable sources, according to a forecast by uh, Reistad Energy. With almost all of it coming from solar. Spain also generates significant amounts of power from 10 nuclear power stations using nuclear fission, which is sometimes considered a fossil fuel, even though it doesn't emit CO2 like coal-fired energy options and hydroelectric. Meanwhile, further inland, the utilisation of renewable energy in Germany totaled 52.3% in the first six months of 2023. This is 3.1% higher than last year. In 2023, the number of rooftop rooftop solar systems installed was more than double that of 2022. While unlike Portugal and Spain, Germany has a flourishing bioenergy sector where they pull substantial electricity needs from uh, already in July. The weather in Europe has been balmy compared to this period last year when the continent was roasting under drought, fire and heatwave, allowing for excellent periods of renewable energy collection. In terms of uh, what, you know, what Islam has taught us in regards to this, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, His Holiness, uh, may Allah be his helper, the current, <coughs> the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Worldwide Community, he, he said that generally as much as possible we should use recyclable products. At the MDA Muslim Community events, there is usually a team dedicated to ensuring good hygiene. One of their, their responsibilities is to, is to ensure that the environment and facilities should be kept as clean and tidy as possible. And that, <clears throat> and that they should clear rubbish in an appropriate and environment-friendly way. His Holiness also advised against littering at the events. He said members should be educated about protecting the environment and ensuring that waste is disposed of appropriately. At another address uh, at Canada's uh, National Parliament in Ottawa, His Holiness uh, stated, for example, uh, it is said that climate change is a huge threat to our civilization. There is, um, there is the issue of an increasing lack of peace and security in much of the world, all of these issues are the result of unjust policies, inequality and the lack of balance. If we take the issue of climate change, we see that um, a major cause of global warming has been industrial revolution. And, um, you know, uh, in the West, the fact that forests and flora were excessively cut down, this leads to... Um, you know, this leads to deforestation. This leads to, um, you know, uh, it leads to us using uh, fossil fuels. And um, there's a lot of different problems caused in regards to this. We do have online with us our guest uh, of the morning in regards to this, Mr. War- uh, Warren Mabee, um, who is a Associate Dean and Director of the School of Policy Studies at Queen's University. He is the Canada Research Chair in Renewable Energy Development and Implementation. 
Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, you know, at this hour, at this early hour. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know, well past midnight over there. Thank you so much yeah, for joining uh, us, yes. It, it's my pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to begin with, could you please tell us a bit more about your role at Queen's University? Sure. So, um, I am the head of the School of Policy Studies here, which is focused on training people to work in government, uh, in public administration. Uh, but my research and, and the area that I am most known for is work on energy systems and particularly on renewable energy systems. So for uh, over a decade, I've held a chair that has focused on renewable energy development and implementation. Uh, I've looked at renewable energy systems here in Canada and then right around the world. So uh, that's uh, basically my area of research. It's what I do most of my teaching in. And of course, I think it's what we're going to talk about this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, for, for the layman, for someone who doesn't understand what is renewable energy, if you could break it down in terms. Yeah. So there is a little bit of confusion about what it is in some people's minds. Yeah. Really, it's any energy source uh, that taps into some of these natural systems on the planet that are naturally, naturally renewed or naturally replenished. So... If you think about solar energy, solar energy is coming to us from the sun, uh, coming in through the atmosphere. Uh, it's something that we can harness and which is being constantly replenished by the sun and, and uh, the sunlight that we enjoy. You can think about wind power. Wind is something that uh, is naturally occurring around the planet. It's something that we can draw some energy from that replenishes itself as time goes on, you know, so that this is a system that we can tap into that will naturally restock itself. Hmm. And this is in direct contrast to the fossil fuels that we've used uh, that are a fixed stock. You know, there's only so much oil or coal in the mantle of the earth, you know, in the crust of the earth. There's only so much of that there. Hmm. Uh, as we draw those stocks down, those stocks are not, renewed they're not replenished not on a time scale that is useful for us yeah uh, same thing when it comes to nuclear energy nuclear energy requires the input of uranium or possibly something like thorium uh, those again are elements that are found in the earth hmm. and they are not replenished you know they they don't come back as we use them up yeah so renewables will return and if we use them sustainably because uh, it's possible to overtax and, you know, overtake from these systems. But if we use them sustainably, hmm. then we can have a sustainable energy system going forward. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> how is renewable energy utilized in Spain and Portugal? Yeah, so <clears throat> Spain and Portugal are both members of the EU. Yeah. Uh, so they're both uh, within that, that area. And the EU's had a couple of targets uh, that they've been aiming for over the last few decades. Uh, by 2020, the goal in uh, these countries was to get to 20% uh, or more renewable energy 
in the total energy mix. Uh, and so when you look at Spain, hmm. Spain has definitely uh, come above that 20% target. So they're at about 21% energy uh, coming from renewable sources in their total energy mix. And it's really dominated by the electrical sector where uh, more than 40% of the electricity in Spain is now coming from sources including wind and hydro uh, and solar. Those are the main renewable energy sources that they are accessing and and utilizing. Uh, Portugal is coming up to that 20% goal. I think that uh, the most recent stats have indicated that they've they've passed the 20% goal. Hmm. Uh, Again, the majority of their renewable is coming from hydro and coming from wind. Uh, the, The area that they haven't drawn on as much as Spain, and some of this is probably just geography, Hmm. is uh, in solar. So they have, you know, about uh, uh, 1.8 gigawatts of installed solar power across the the country. They don't have the same sort of uh, level of installation that we see in in Spain. Hmm. Uh, How could this help uh, developing countries? Well, you know, one of the amazing things about renewable energy and Mm. how renewable energy uh, has developed is that in most cases, renewable energy sources are now one of the cheapest sources of electricity uh, to draw on or or energy to draw on, Uh, particularly wind power. uh, The cost of installing wind power Mm. now uh, on a levelized basis, so, you know, taking everything into account. Uh, wind is looking like one of the cheapest sources of power. Yeah. And that means that for a developing nation, you know, in the global south and in, in parts of the world where we haven't seen the level of development uh, in the energy sector that we've seen in the north, there's an opportunity to go directly to renewables rather than stepping through a, a period of fossil fuel development and then coming to renewables later as we're doing here across the north. Yeah, um, And that means that you can start with a cleaner energy grid from the beginning. Uh, you can also start with a cheaper energy grid from the beginning, which is good because, you know, the, the cost of fossil fuels, as we know, has gone up yeah. over decades. The cost of, of most of these big energy sources has gone up. Uh, renewables, on the other hand, are coming down. You know, the the challenge in developing nations, in any nation that's trying to really increase renewables, is the intermittent nature of the renewables themselves. So we only get wind power when it's windy. We only get solar power when it's sunny. Uh, It's important that either these sources are balanced by other options, you know, hydro, can be a good option to balance something like wind and solar because with a lot of hydro installations you can turn off the the turbines for a little while while it's sunny and then when yeah. it gets dark you can turn them back on uh, so you can maintain that constant flow of power constant flow of energy back out to customers yeah you need some kind of storage in the system in order to really make 
renewables work. And that is one of the great challenges that we're facing right around the world uh, yeah. as we look to increase the amount of renewables in the system. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for joining us this uh, this morning, um, Dr. Warren. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, for now, you know, um, have a have a good uh, night, I guess, and you know, take care. And uh, you know, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank take you care. very much for having me. Peace be upon yep. you. Bye now. Bye bye for now. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye now. So that was uh, Dr. Warren uh, Mabi. Uh, you know, uh, he shed some really important light on what the future uh, of developing countries especially holds in terms of uh, renewable energy and uh, you know what they can do as well instead of you know straight going you know following the path of um, fossil fuels and then turning to renewable energy you know uh, wind power he mentioned especially is very uh, you know uh, cost effective so that can be utilized as well um yeah, we'll I mean, be in, yeah instead of uh, you know electric cars yeah <coughs> Oh, I mean, electric should get cars. wind power cars. <laughs> no, no, there, there is this uh, hydro, hydro cars, hydro yeah, cars, hydro well. electric cars. But obviously, uh, yeah, but obviously, it's still in development. It's still in development yeah. as well, and the miles that you get on that mm. is literally is, is nothing. Yeah. So obviously, you know, it, it is something which is, you know, which no, you know, essentially, new. electric cars. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're the future because the amount of energy it takes to, you know, build to 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 build the electric car. The, uh, the amount of f- like f- uh, emissions that are produced yeah, yeah. just in building it just you know, in building uh, yeah. you won't get that from a petrol car or, or in like even like 10 years or something mm. not 10 years but I think yeah. around 4-5 years right. you won't get that many emissions J- just before even the car is sets out on the road you know to, to mine, make the mine, yeah, yeah. mine the cobalt mine, mine yeah. the uh, lithium Literally. for the batteries it's it's very extensive work and it creates a lot of emissions. And it's not just that when they when they every make like yeah every like seventy eighty or like hundred thousand miles they have to get replaced. They have, as well. they have to get replaced. They as have well. to. And you know what the thing is is that you know where they make those batteries yeah. or whatever the, the power stations or whatever yeah. that f- virtually that whole ground that whole yeah. green area that yeah. is uh, you know is barren then you can't there's no crops mm. that can grow there anymore. Mm. So it is quite harmful for the environment. So yeah. just to make one car, yeah. you're gonna do all of that. Yeah. So, so is it is it worth it? It's, it's it's not worth it. I think I think petrol and diesel should stay. Um, they need to stay until the proper viable future option is found. Mm. And you know that can be in hydropowered cars. I think that it would be uh, because you know if if somehow they can mm. convert, especially salt water. <laughs> into uh, power. Somehow, I mean, that's the dream, isn't you know? it? That's a million dollar uh, question. Then, uh, you know, we've got vast oceans, you know, like 70, 80% of the earth is water. Hmm. We can utilize that, and, you hmm. know, that water's not going to go anywhere. But, you know, the, the problem <coughs> where, 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 with that would maybe be territories will be made. Yeah. And uh, people will start to say, no, this is my water. Get yeah, out of my water. Yeah. And all of that, all of that nonsense. Yeah, but you know, the you big know? companies will just jump on it straight away and they'll be like, this is ours. If you come near it, we'll shoot you and this, that, you know. Yeah. Then it might be a big, uh, a big pirate war. Yeah. <laughs> you never Let's know. Let's see. Uh, so, you know, we'll be ending this segment with a brief audio clip of His Holiness and then we'll be taking a short break and moving on to our last segment of the morning. Um where we will be discussing uh, about uh, kindness. Don't go anywhere. Please do join us after this.
and that's in relationship to the our human relationship with the environment, our interaction with it. And he says that are we called to be stewards of the environment under the Islamic teachings? Um, and he also says that, or is the environment just there for our exploitation and use? Well, Allah the Almighty is the creator of all, the creator of the universe is more than one. Is, is the master and that he has created all for is for our benefit and this is what he mentions in the Holy Quran that all that has been created has been created created for man and obviously something that has been gifted to us whenever someone gives a gift to a person that person is expected obviously to cherish it if he loves that person and to look after it and, and tries to maintain it in the condition that was given to him this is the gift that has been given to us so the universe is a gift that Allah the Almighty actually has given to the human race as such. And everything that has been put in it has been put in it with a specific purpose. Everything that God has created has been created with purpose and nothing is without purpose. And that is for the benefit of man who is the greatest of God's creation. So this planet is, is, uh, is the place of our abode in this life. And it is the duty of every man to be able to look after and cherish that planet and to make sure that the balance that God has created in the, in, in the universe is not disturbed in any, in any respect. And that brings you to the question of uh, the environment and how man looks after the environment. And this is something that we know that uh, is now fully researched as how man destroys the environment and what needs to be done to make sure that we are not uh, harming the environment as well. In Surah Rahman, Allah says, Ash-shamsu wal-kamaru bihuspan wa najmu wa shajaru yasjudan wa sama'arafa aha wa wada'al mizan. So, you know, God is pointing out to us that the sun and the moon run their courses according to their fixed times. And the stemless plants and the trees submit to him, even the tiniest of stemless plants that they are, submit to God Almighty as, as the creation. The heaven he has raised high above and set up as a measure that you may not transgress. This is the important thing, that you must not transgress the measure. Mm -hmm. And this is Allah, the Almighty pointing out to us that the universe, in fact, has been created with good measure and man must not do anything that will upset that measure, upset that balance. So it is our responsibility, each individual person, each society, each community, has this responsibility of looking around them and see how one must pay due regard, due attention to looking after the environment as such. And we know that there are many things that we are aware of now uh, which man must do in order to make sure that yes, he uses the uh, uh, universe, the world as has been given to him and takes benefit of all that has been provided by God Almighty but he does not misuse that to that degree. We talk about uh, deforestations, obviously, in parts of the world where trees have been cut down, you know, on a scale, and all the issues that they have caused uh, in those parts and other parts is something that we are well, well aware of. The Holy Prophet wasallam, you know, he discouraged uh, Muslims that when you go to war, when you conquer, you should not cut down trees, fruit-bearing trees. And you know, that was given 1400 years ago. And now man is now realizing the importance of maintaining this balance by not cutting down trees unwantonly. And he 
gave uh, uh, advice on a Muslim that he, when he plants a tree, he looks after it, it bears fruit, birds eat of it, then that Muslim is rewarded for that good act that he has done. And that actually shows us the actual life cycle of different, uh, peop different uh, creatures who will benefit from that one act of that one person. Then we have wastage, you know, this is an, or water wastage. Water is an essential part of this universe that we have, and it's an essential part of our life. And this is something that we have always to look after. So wastage of water is something that obviously one needs to be well aware of so that it does not create problems in, in that nature. So man as an individual has been given the custodianship of this planet, and it is his responsibility and the Holy Prophet Sallallahu 1400 years ago has pointed these out to us and it is our responsibility to make sure that we are abiding by the true nature and teachings of Islam. Unfortunately, we see some events in recent past in, in certain parts of the world where so-called Muslims actually have disregarded all these teachings, not in just terms of the religion of Islam and the practices of Islam, but also with regard to the environment and are damaging the environment in that respect. So that is something that we all need to be wary of, that uh, it is a, a gift from God, a gift that we must cherish and continue to uh, seek the benefits and rewards of that in environment. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. It should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer, he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for his servants, that they should first acknowledge him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. A new station, the voice of Islam with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. We are now moving on to our last segment of the morning. The University of Kindness, small acts of kindness found across cultures revealing human nature. Hmm. A recent study found that small acts of kindness are prevalent and consistent across cultures, indicating that humans are naturally inclined to help others, regardless of cultural background and geographical location. That's what we've been saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've been saying, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, according to scientists, humans from every culture and um, are, are, are wired for kindness. A new study revealed that uh, how um, sm um, small gestures of kindness are frequent and universal across various cultures and locations. Mm. Reaches, researchers led by University of uh, California gathered over 40 hours of footage <coughs> 
recording moments in everyday lives of 350 people in different countries and diverse locations such as England, Germany, Ecuador, Australia, Netherlands, Italy, Poland, Russia, Ghana and many others. They looked for moments when uh, one person asked for help when struggling with a small task and received it from another. I think <laughs> I think um, uh, you know y- you can be a, te- a, te- a testimony to that. Yeah, well, yeah, isn't it? definitely. I was you know I was just about to you know mention uh, just the other day I had a, a little incident. Uh, mm, quite where, you know, I was quite a, yeah I was I was stuck and you know literally. I I would say right mm. here right now that a, an angel was sent by right. you know Allah the Almighty uh where, he, where you, right? he yeah where he not just himself he found other angels mm. and he guided them towards <laughs> me <laughs> and they helped me out wow. of my tricky situation and uh you know alhamdulillah by the grace of Allah uh by the grace of Allah the Almighty you know um then I was uh, blessed uh, with uh, a way out and uh, you know I'm very thankful to those um Essentially, in my in my eyes, they were angels that were sent sent mm. by God. Yeah, and they yeah. help you in that predicament. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, they, 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 they were strangers, complete strangers, and they were yeah. they were on their way after. Hmm. Where other people yeah. were sort of ignoring, maybe yeah. they were they, they were ignoring the problem. But you know, uh, as you know, it is mentioned, God works in mysterious ways, and uh, you know, there He did work in a very mysterious way where where I th- I thought there was no hope. Hmm. Right, uh, I was uh, panicking a little bit, but then you know, uh, <laughs> Alhamdulillah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's good. It's it's, yeah. it's very reassuring, isn't it? Definitely. Um, that you know, there you know are it's people very faith-inspiring for me personally because then it, it's yeah. very reassuring for the heart that you know, uh, where. You know, God knows what's right and wrong for you. If sometimes, you know, God doesn't listen to your prayers, you might think, you might, you know, your heart might turn away. Mm. You might think, you know, why you is he think, not oh, listening why, to why is he not, yeah. Because there's a reason that that even you think something is good for you in the eyes of god it's not good for you mm. he knows what's better yeah for you and it's the opposite as well sometimes yeah. you might think that this thing is not good for me yeah. but in the eyes of god it is good it, for it you it is and good then, for you and and, and yeah. you find out after and you find out later that, yeah you know, and the, then you realize it was right you re- you realize it was it was right that's true that's so true yeah so you know this discoveries that they you know which this article is suggesting that on average yeah People ask for help every two minutes, and they get it 79% of the time. And a study found that people provided assistance without explanation, consistent, uh, consistent across cultures and not influenced by the relationship between the individuals involved. So literally, you know, strangers coming out and uh, and helping one another as well. So that's, it is very, very reassuring when that when that happens. Let's uh, let's speak to our, uh, our first guest uh, for this uh, for this part of the show, Dr. Abraham Mahmoudi, who is the who is a lecturer in marketing, specialising in consumer psychology and behaviour at uh, Henley Business School from the University of Reading. Good morning, welcome to the show, Dr. Abraham. Good morning. Thank you so much thank for, you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. What what are you currently researching uh, or, or working on? I am currently engaged in research activities. Um, so I am a lecturer uh, at uh, Henley Business School, University of Reading. So I am currently engaged in research activities, exploring the impacts of emotions on individual behavior, uh, both in consumer settings and within the organizations. Uh, my focus uh, lies in uncovering the surprising 
aspects of emotions uh, such as happiness, anger, and guilt. So I investigate how these emotions can lead to both positive and negative outcomes, mm. challenging uh, traditional assumptions about their effect. Right. Um, yeah. So, for instance, uh, I examine the notion that an excessive wanting for happiness might not always result in positive outcomes. Um, instead, it could have adverse uh, effects such as lower well-being um, or, you know, this kind of research I do. So, talking about, uh, just leading on from that, talking about human beings, given your research and knowledge, um, are humans inherently kind? Um, this, this question, uh, whether humans are inher- inherently kind, is, you know, is a bit complex and enduring topic that has fascinated philosophers, psych- psychologists, researchers for centuries. So there is a, a viewpoint uh, that humans are born uh, as amoral beings and their moral development is influenced mainly by social norms and experiences. Um, this uh, you know, perspective finds support in some philosophers' ideas, such as uh, Thomas Hobbes' uh, characterization of humans as inherently nasty and uh, brutish, um, um, suggesting that without uh, social norms, uh, social rules to control their instincts, humans wouldn't naturally exhibit kindness. There is another viewpoint um, which uh, their followers uh, think that humans are inherently kind. They argue that um, there exists a natural moral kindness and compassion within us from birth. Jean-Jacques Rousseau is uh, one of the main figures in this viewpoint. Uh, Also, um, some studies in developmental psychology, recent studies in developmental psychology also provide some, uh, you know, valuable evidence on this topic, um, uh, which... uh, suggesting that, showing that babies, uh, such as seven-month-old um, uh, uh, babies, demonstrate a, reference, a preference for mm. um, characters that uh, exhibit uh, helpful and selfless behavior. Mm. Uh, so, you know, kind of showing that how much it might be, uh, this altruism and kindness might be uh, you know, inherent uh, in babies. However, you know, we need to consider that it is um, also crucial to recognize that human behavior is the result of a complex interplay between nature and nurture. So while Mm. some evidence suggests that babies may have an innate inclination towards um, kindness, uh, some various factors such as socialization, cultural norms, individual experiences shape our behavior uh, when we grow up and develop. So there is a kind of interplay between nature and nurture. So we don't have kind of, um, you know, um, complete um, answer for this question. Now, sometimes we see that not just uh, big things, but small things, small acts of kindness 
they can be very meaningful and impactful as well, isn't it? And sometimes it's the small things that that count and people look out for. Yes, I very agree with you. Um, some small acts of kindness can be enhanced impactful for several reasons. One of them could be, you know, they have the potential to create a ripple effect. Then mm. uh, perform a kind act for someone else, it not only makes them feel good, but it can also inspire them to pass on the kindness to uh, others. Uh, you know, the chain reaction of kindness can lead to a positive transformation in communities and make the world a better place. Um, the impacts of, um, you know, um, uh, small impacts of kindness um, goes beyond just the immediate emotional response. Uh, for example, when someone goes, uh, does something good uh, and kind for us, uh, it triggers the release of dopamine, you know, a neurotransmitter uh, which is associated with feelings of happiness and satisfaction. So this uh, kind of um, uh, release of dopamine can uplift our mood and well-being. So uh, furthermore, acts of kindness can also foster a sense of connection and belonging to our community. Uh, so kind of uh, uh, combating feelings of isolation and disconnection that are usually uh, prevalent in today's uh, uh, you know, digital-centric world. Uh, mm -hmm. And another reason uh, could be, you know, um, uh, these small acts of kindness can serve as a powerful example that inspires others to be kind as well. You know, when we witness kindness, you know, we observe kindness in others' behavior, it can also motivate us to follow uh, them and spread the goodwill. Uh, so, uh, through seeing this kindness in others' behavior, we learn that simple gestures can make a significant difference and this realization can lead to um, increased kindness towards the society. Um, from physiological point of view, it can also reduce stress and anxiety and also it can lower blood pressure, it can, uh, you know, lower heart rate and stress levels. So it's not only impacting our psychological health, our uh, social interaction, but it can also have positive outcomes on our physiological uh, mm. uh, situation. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for that, Dr. Abraham. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you some some other questions as well, but uh, you know, the, we we must uh, press on as well. <coughs> Apologies for that, but thank you so much for joining us this uh, this morning and speaking to us on such an important uh, important topic as well. Getting your your insight and your research into this uh, topic as well. Thank you so much once again. Peace be upon you. Thank you very much. You. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Let's uh, let's move on to our our next guest, Liz Bates, who has worked in education all her life. First as a as a drama teacher, through to uh, deputy head teacher and uh, and safeguarding lead, and finally as an advisor, uh, uh, leading on mental health, emotional health, and well being as well. She's worked independently as an advisor and trainer, supporting schools in safeguarding and also well being. As well. Um, good morning, and thank you uh, for joining us this morning, Ms. Bates. Uh, good morning. Good morning. 
how would you define uh, how would you define kindness? Uh, right. Well, that's a tricky thing, and, and uh, it could take take a long time. But I guess um, we can talk about being generous and compassionate and, and selfless. But these are mm. quite big concepts. So, just to sort of reduce it very simply, I see it as making the right choice, the right decision mm. um, that will benefit others and oneself. Because I don't think we can leave out um, self kindness. Perhaps I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, in a minute or two, but yes, it's it's difficult to sum up kindness. I think in in a, a single phrase, yeah, because it encompasses so much about our behaviour and the language we use and our interactions and so on. But certainly, it is about making the right choices and the right decisions for ourselves and for others. Yeah, now you you wrote a book on kindness as well. well what inspired you to write uh, this book? Well. Um, the book was written really as um, I was just very aware of the, the rise of unkindness. It's so evident and explicit and really toxic. The internet allowing, or sort of the, the anonymity, anonymity that the internet allows has enabled this sort of onslaught of unkindness. So I wanted to do something that would help to introduce children to the idea that actually being kind is a choice. Um, and I, I approach it through the idea of it being a superpower that we all have, but very much the idea that why would somebody choose to be unkind if actually they, they could choose to be kind instead? So the book really sort of interrogates that in a way that, that children can understand. So there's a storybook that tells a story, but then there's um, a, an accompanying guidebook that adults, parents, teachers can use to explore some of the ideas in the book. But it's very much about making that choice. Um, there's always going to be a choice between what I say and what I do. Hmm. So why would I choose the unkind route if actually I could choose to be kind instead? So it sort of explores those ideas. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned um, p- parents and their children. So mm-hmm. how should parents instill good habits, um, you know, especially of kindness <clears throat> and compassion in their, yeah. in their children? I think modeling kindness is probably the the best way to start. Um, So children learn from their parents all day, every day. Every moment they spend with their parents, they're learning something. And so for parents, modeling those behaviors, modeling that language is absolutely crucial. Uh, And actually to have those conversations with the children. Why would somebody choose to be unkind if you could choose to be kind instead? so to see it as an active choice, I'm choosing to do this. I want to do this. Why would I behave in, in a different way? Um, mm. To think about the language that is used so that the words that we choose to say can be, they can either be helpful or they can be harmful. We can encourage and praise and inspire, but we can also threat and hate and put down. So um, the, the choice of the language that we use is, is so important. Mm. Um, and also to own the language, so the words that we say belong to us. We've said them, and we need to take responsibility for what comes out of our mouth, for the, for the things that we say, as well as the things that we do um, as well. So thinking about positive and supportive language, um, inclusive language, but also owning what we say also. But I, I would also... Um, hope that parents would talk to their children about self-kindness and self-compassion. Um, there are lots of young people 
who give themselves a very hard time, yeah. uh, who are very self-critical, who feel they should or ought or must be doing certain things. Um, so, uh, again, in the book, I also um, say quite a lot about that, that idea of self-compassion, so to be able to say, well done me, <laughs> to, to give ourselves that positive self-talk. Yeah. And to talk to ourselves in a way that we would talk to friends. So to see ourselves as, a, as something precious, um, to be nurtured and to be spoken to kindly. So that's something else I would encourage parents to think about as well. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how valuable uh, you spoke about this so but how, how valuable is is kindness compared to other good qualities uh, like maybe maybe sympathy well that's a really interesting question um i but actually i don't think it's a valid comparison i don't see that there's like a hierarchy of qualities and actually they're often part of the same thing so for example um, empathy is an element of kindness Kindness is an element of empathy. Patience is an element of kindness, and kindness is an element of patience. So um, I, I would find it really hard to compare and to say that one is better or different in certain ways, um, but to see them all part of being a whole, a whole of um, the idea that we have compassion for other people, and, and there are so many elements within that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, thank you so much, Liz Bates, for, for yeah. joining us and getting your, your expertise uh, on this morning. Um, That's my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. That was uh, Liz Bates uh, speaking to us, uh, speaking to us there as well, and uh, you know, getting getting her insight in regards to in regards to this, and very interesting uh, listening listening to her. Um, it is something which uh, this is something which uh, Islam promotes, as we've spoken about throughout the course of uh, of uh, of the show. There is a, a a brief audio clip, isn't there? So you you listen to what His Holiness said in regards to in regards to this. His Holiness being the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah. Assalamu alaikum, beloved Hazur. My name is Zion Ahmad, and my question is. How can we develop kindness in our heart like the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? How can we develop kindness in your heart? Yes, like the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. You don't have any kindness in your heart? I do. So when you... Are you the eldest of your siblings or the... How many, how many brothers and sisters you have? I have one brother and one sister. They are older than you or younger than you? Uh, they're younger. I'm the oldest. So do you, do, do you feel any love and sympathy for them in your heart? Yes. So in the same way you should feel the same thing. You should have the same feeling for others. Hmm? So see, whatever action the Holy Prophet used to take or he, whatever action, whatever, anything he did was for the sake of Allah. He knew he had the love of Allah. So you developed love of Allah in your heart. And when you develop a love of Allah in your heart, then you will develop love of Allah's creation in your heart. Right? 
and also developed love of the Holy Prophet who taught us that how to develop the love of Allah. And for this you must read the life history of the Holy Prophet In this way you will create and develop love of the Holy Prophet in your heart and resultantly you will develop the love for human beings and your fellow beings. Okay? The promised Messiah upon whom be peace, who is the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, has actually mentioned these virtues from varying perspectives, ranging from the mutual relationships between humans to demonstrating justice, kindness, and uh, kinship with Allah the Almighty. Now, the Holy Quran states in chapter 16, verse 91, Verily, Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred and forbids indecency and manifest evil and wrongful transgression. He admonishes you that you may take heed. Now this is what Allah the Almighty is telling us, that first we should obviously, we should be just. Hmm. We should, you know, someone does good to you, you do good to that person as well. And uh, th- this is the bare minimum. This is the bare minimum that we should, that we should, that, you know, that we should be. Yeah. We should, we should portray justice. But then Islam goes one step further and says that, you know, it you should be just, it enjoins justice, but also doing good to others. Now, if somebody does something good to you, you do something good to that person, that's justice. But if someone doesn't do good to you, someone's as neutral with you, someone hasn't done anything good to you, you still, you know, do good to them because you want to, you know, you want to serve mankind. You want to, you know, make the world a better place. But mm. even then... Even if somebody abuses you, somebody says something bad to you, somebody tries to, you know, ridicule you or, 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 or sort of, uh, you know, play around with your emotions, you still do good to that person, you know, in a way that you, you show patience, you yeah. show tolerance, you show, you pray for that person as well. And you don't do anything which will disrupt the peace of the society. That is what Islam teaches. This is the second step. And then Islam goes one step further. This is the highest step. This is the highest, um, you know, place. You know, this is the highest thing which man can actually do, and that is giving like kindred. Hmm. Now, this is this is it's easy to say, but it is really difficult. Now, injustice and doing good to others, there is some sort of, you know, getting a getting a reward back. But doing good to others, in a terms in a in, in a sense of uh, giving like kindred, just like a mother nurtures her children yeah she does she doesn't take care of her children because she wants any sort of reward afterwards she does that just because she has that inherent love for her children she wants to serve those children uh, she wants to serve her children hmm. to the best of her uh, capability and capacity that is how we should treat our fellow human beings as well that is what the holy quran teaches us yeah that we don't want any sort of reward in return we don't want praise in return. We don't want money. We don't want this. We don't want that. What we what we literally want is just to serve hmm. mankind. And that is what the motto of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community actually is. Love for all, hatred for none. And, uh, you know, that is, you know, in this way, we can actually conclude today's uh, today's show we've spoken yeah. spoken about a couple of a uh, couple of different topics talking about how the how the crime rates have actually gone down we've spoken about renewable energy unleashing nature's potential uh, making the, uh, the the earth more greener and 
small acts of kindness across mm. different cultures um, can actually be very promising for the for you know the wider society and yeah. the world at large as well isn't it we'd like to you know thank uh, the tech team and our producers and researchers uh, for now you know uh, take care have a good morning and peace and blessings of allah be upon you all